Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. I am Becca Kephart. Glad to be back with you after a couple months. I hope everyone had a really wonderful November and December and holiday season. I had a great November. I got to play a couple tournaments that were really fun. In December, I got to play a round of our local traveling league here that competes over the winter. And I'm really excited because I got some technology upgrades and I'll try to not bore you too much, but got some technology stuff that will be better for the computer. And my wonderful mother-in-law that I love very, very much got me a matching mic to one of the mics that we've been using. Long story short, now two out of three of our mics here are the same and that will make audio editing much easier and hopefully everything just sound way better. So here, while we're still kind of in the so-called off-season, I'm excited to bring you some interviews with FPO players. And Sarah Hokum kind of had a big announcement yesterday, so I was very excited to get a chance to talk with her. So we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, my interview with Sarah Hokum. Looking for the perfect disc golf disc to take your game to the next level? Ladies First Disc Golf makes the disc selection process easy with an inventory of women's friendly discs. Ladies First Disc Golf wants to make sure you are looking and feeling great on the course. Jazz up your disc golf wardrobe with a large selection of apparel items for women disc golfers chosen and designed by women's disc golfers. At Ladies First Disc Golf, the ladies always come first. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com for all of your women's disc golf, disc, apparel, and accessory needs. Sarah Hokum, thank you so much for taking some time to speak with me. Thanks for having me, Becca. I'm excited to, you know, share some fun stuff with the world. Awesome. Well, there's a lot of stuff that I'd like to get to and and to talk about with you. But since it's me, I would like to start with the puppy. How is Ruby doing? (laughs) She is great. She's growing up. She's getting, uh, she's, she's not, she's not growing much uh, in size, but right. she's growing in maturity. <laughs> what was it like touring with a puppy last season? It had challenges, certainly. Yeah. Um, while I was playing, I would have to kind of either find someone to look after her or put her in her crate in the van. Sure. And if it was a really hot day, I would have to find a, you know, find a cool place to put her crate. Um, and also a place that where she wouldn't, uh, you know, see another dog and just start barking because <laughs> she loves to meet other dogs. So mm-hmm. that was, um, it was a little bit of a challenge, you know, but all the challenge was worth the payoff, right? right? I mean, she's so much fun um, to have on the road. It's just, you know, you have, you know, this little, this little cute little face ready to just right. lick you to death no matter how well you shot. <laughs> That's awesome. So obviously the big news is yesterday you announced that you have joined Team MVP. And of course I was excited about that because I throw all MVP and Axiom myself. So why oh. did you choose MVP? Most of the decision has to come with uh, the, the kind of the science-based approach to mm-hmm. their molding. And as a former science teacher and, you know, science has been a big part of my life, basically my whole life. That's what my college degrees were in. That's what I used to teach. It's kind of how I, I kind of try to be objective about, you know, decisions I make in my life. It's kind of, I use a scientific method all the time. And uh, so it was really refreshing to see a company whose molding process and their philosophy is based on the principles of science and physics. I know it's new for you, but uh, what do you have in your bag so far? What discs and molds are you liking? Well, that's a great question. I have uh, been experimenting with all sorts of different molds um, with, you know, nearly 60 different molds to choose from between the three kind of branches of their company, MVP, Axiom, and Streamline. Um, It's been, that's actually been the 
the big challenge is kind Mm -hmm. of deciding, well, which ones do I want to throw? There's so many possibilities. So I've been working through that and I am confident that that will change throughout the year. Um, uh, But for now, um, I'm really liking the Octane Mm -hmm. as like a main distance driver. Great for, uh, you know, uh, an Anheuser Flex. Um, and then I also really kind of fell in love with the tenacity, which is kind of a flippier distance driver, also kind of like a speed 13, um, doesn't handle a headwind very well, mm-hmm. but I can throw it on a nice little hyzer flip and it flexes and comes back and just goes really far. So I'm excited to work through that disc. Um, let's see, as far as my fairways, I really like the, the relay as kind of a straight flyer. Um, and like the, the crave as kind of a slightly more stable, straighter flat, straight flyer. Um, the signal has been a really fun disc, uh, for turnovers and hyzer flips through the woods and stuff. Um, very, very understable and relatively slow fairway driver, but you know, that makes it, uh, easier to flip up and, um, pretty controllable in the woods. So that's kind of a nice, it's almost a hybrid with a, with a mid. Um, so it's kind of a fun disc to throw. And then as my overstable fairway, I've actually really enjoyed the resistor. Um, it seems to have a predictable flight, you know, finishes where I want, good for shots on, on approaches and also shorter tees. And then as far as the mid-range, I a lot of people really like the deflector. And I do like it, but it's actually a little more stable than I was looking for for a stable mid. So I'm actually throwing the Matrix, oh, yeah. which is a little bit less stable than a deflector, but also seems to have a little bit more controllable finish, um, but also is stable enough that I can throw it flat and it's not going to turn over uh, with a sidearm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I like the access for a straight mid. Yeah. And then I really like the theory oh, yeah. for uh, a turnover mid and also kind of a hyzer flip mid. Um, that's been really, really fun to throw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as putters, I love the ion for putting inside a circle. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice rounded rim. And then uh, one of the things that's really attracted to me to the putting, the putting plastics in MVP is they have a rounded inner rim, at least on the, um, the spin and the ion, which that feels just really comfortable in my hand. And it feels like I can get a lot of my hand on the disc and which in my philosophy of throwing means that I'm going to have a lot more control, which for putters, that's a great, a uh, great thing. So uh, the ion for inside the circle, it's also the ion also is, relatively deep which as a push putter that gives me a little more lift definitely yeah which is perfect for that putting style and then i really like the spin for longer putts um, and also for approach approach uh, approach putters and then as a sidearm approach putter from you know anywhere from maybe 125 150 and in i'm liking i'm really liking the envy oh yeah both backhand and sidearm as just a controlled dump off approach shot and then I also throw an ion for like a really straight approach shot, but in the neutron plastic. So that's basically, you know, that's the basic setup. Um, like I said, I think things will change. Sure. Um, I haven't really experimented much with the fission plastic yet. And so I, I'm excited to kind of see how those fission photons uh, oh, yeah. throw. Yeah. Yeah. The photon, um, uh, originally that was going to be kind of my, uh, replacement for an outlaw sure. but uh when i first started throwing them they're so stable yeah that it's actually a little bit too stable for uh like for a main driver yeah. for me to get yeah. any distance so I'm, I'm interested to see if the fission 
plastic yeah. gives me that extra little glide that I'm looking for. Right on. Yeah, the Photon is a funny disc. I have a 152 gram photon in the plasma plastic and I'm always describing it as a magic disc because to your point about it being stable like that thing is so lightweight but I can throw it in a headwind and it just performs normally and it just doesn't seem right <laughs> that yeah. something that lightweight that's always great when you find a magic yeah, disc for sure but that <laughs> yeah that's really fun for me too because all of uh your fairways that you listed that's 100% my fairway lineup oh um, wow plus a couple more since I have a little bit of a slower arm speed and am newer to the sport. I don't don't throw anything too fast. Um, but yeah, the signal is such a cool, weird disc, man. Like it's so understable, mm-hmm. but for for woods, for anything that I kind of, you know, for me as a right hand backhand player to go right, it, it just, it wants to go right. And it's just fantastic. Um, but yeah, those are, those are all really, really fun discs. And, and to your point, the mids as well. Um, I love the matrix and the theory. That's my mid setup and they just, Mm -hmm. they're, they're great discs. So yeah, I'm really excited, uh, to see, uh, more of these discs on coverage, hopefully this year, that'll be really fun to see how they perform, um, for, you know, a professional female thrower. It's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm just really, really excited to be working with MVP. You know, they're they're very professionally um, structured company and they've been just really, really great to work with so far. You know, I'm excited. They're very excited to work on a couple different projects. Yeah. And um, we're really going to be able to spread the gyro, I think, this year and and beyond. So let's kind of go back then uh, while we have you and talk about how you got started in disc golf. You mentioned that you got uh, degrees in science and you were a science teacher. And what first brought you to disc golf? Just hanging out with friends, you know, and a uh, a good uh, kind of uh, quote unquote excuse uh, to go out and get some exercise, socialize, do something um, that's challenging, but also not too challenging, right? (laughs) Um, You know, there's that, there's that, there's that uh, nice uh, initial, especially learning curve where, you know, you get quite a bit better um, Mm -hmm. within the first, you know, few few times you play and uh, then you know and then you just see all the possibilities and you know you get to watch other people who've mastered some of the flights and kind of in awe of what they can do and and then the and then of course you know the different so many different courses and uh, lines that one can throw and you know there's basically the possibilities are endless and the challenges constant Mm -hmm. Um, so for me as, uh, you know, as an, I've been an athlete my whole life mm-hmm. and I had kind of, I've been playing a lot of indoor volleyball, um, as a young adult, just as, you know, recreation and socialization. And, uh, it kind of became a chore a bit to get mm-hmm. together with enough people to, you know, have a volleyball game, you know, I mean, you need at right. least three people in a net. Right. Um, and so I found that disc golf lended itself for me to play in so many different situations. You know, I could go play by myself. I could go play a whole bunch of different courses in the area, or I could play with a big group or just with a few people. So I could play, you know, literally either night or day, you know, with, you know, glow discs being a thing Mm -hmm. that it offered the flexibility of not only time, but also environment um, that was very attractive to me, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to fit in anybody's schedule really. And and anybody's mindset, you know, if you're an introvert and you're not really into socialization, then, you know, you can go out and enjoy, enjoy the game in your own way by yourself. Or if you're, you know, if you love being around people and you, you know, love, love to socialize in big groups, it's also ideal. 
Mm-hmm. So I love that part of it. And that's what really attracted me to continue to try to play. Yeah. So was there kind of a moment for you that you knew disc golf was going to be the thing? Or was it just kind of an evolution? Um, I would say it was a slow evolution. Mm-hmm. But then there was kind of a moment. I played a couple turns. So I started playing in the fall of 2007. Mm-hmm. And then I had played a couple little winter series, uh, you know, uh, ice bowls and stuff like that and local tournaments that like weren't sanctioned or anything. And there was really nobody to play against. You know, I ended up playing um, AM2 or AM, AM3. And, you know, it was fun to play against the guys, but I also really yearned to play with women because mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I recognize the, uh, the differences in the way women and men play and, you know, just kind of where, um, how, you know, how our muscles, musculature kind of comes into play with that. So I always wanted to play with other women, yeah. but there just weren't any. So I found Bowling Green Amateur Championships um, that was going to be in the spring. And so I played a couple local C tiers to kind of get an idea of how to play in a tournament and, you know, in a sanctioned tournament. And then I went to Bowling Green mm-hmm. and there was a field of, I think we had 18 of us that mm-hmm. year in um you know in fa in fa1 right. which was not only was that you know the first time i'd really played against other women but it was a huge field hmm. and it was i really really enjoyed it i mean i had some i had i think i had a really good first round and then my second round we were out at white park um and that was when white park had almost like they had trees mm-hmm. but the trees were tiny and i remember i think it was rebecca frazier mm. Um, who and she was like 14 at the yeah. time or something <laughs> and she just smoked the whole card yeah. and it was, it was basically cause she could handle the wind. Mm. And, um, I learned very quickly that I had no idea what to do in the wind. <laughs> I, I remember throwing several tee shots 50 feet into the ground mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and not, and just being like, Oh my gosh, this is a whole other dimension of the game that I just didn't understand. <laughs> Um, but then we played, we played several different courses at that tournament and I ended up, so I, I played good the first round. I played really poorly the second round and then I played it good again and I ended up making it to a playoff to get into the final nine. And I ended up winning the playoff and making it as the fourth spot. Hmm. And then during the final nine, I caught everybody on my card and ended up tying for the lead on the last hole. And to me, that was like, wow, like, I didn't even think that, you know, I was just hoping to go play against other women. I had no idea that I could, you know, compete at the top with all of these women, you know, many who had been playing much longer than I had. So I realized that, you know, maybe I have a knack for this. And also, wow, this is super fun. Yeah. And I played in front of, man, I don't even know how many people, but it was, it was like a hundred or something people um, <laughs> during the final nine. And oh my gosh, I was <laughs> so nervous and as an athlete my whole life I had never experienced this kind of nerve right I mean I had played at the highest level of college volleyball and Mm -hmm. competed just you know in so many different situations and I had never felt as nervous as I felt Mm -hmm. standing on that first tee of the final nine so you know it it kind of revealed a whole nother element of the mental side of being an athlete that I hadn't uh, hadn't come to master so that was another thing that I was like wow, like this is a thing and I am excited to try to figure all this out. Yeah. So I would think that that was kind of the point. And after that, I ended up playing pro. I turned pro like almost um, like a few months after that. Mm-hmm. 
but only because my club actually kind of pushed me to do that. Mm-hmm. I was playing in the St. Louis Open and mm-hmm. there was nobody to play um, advanced women with. And Barrett White was coming down and Tavish Cardoff yeah. was coming down um, to play, play, Saint, play in the St. Louis Open. So we had two open women and no advanced women. So they covered the difference in my entry fee for mm-hmm. me to play open. And if I remember right, Barrett beat both of us by like 30 strokes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I think Tavish only beat me by a couple. Yeah. So it made me realize that, wow, I haven't been in this game very long and I'm already kind of competing with, you know, some of the top players. Sure. Not, not necessarily Barrett. I wasn't anywhere close <laughs> to her at that point, but you know, there was a lot of other women that, you know, I could compete with. So yeah. That's kind of solidified my um, my goals to play professionally, at least at the pro level. It wasn't until much later that I had the courage to kind of quit my my day job as a teacher and pursue the the sport full time. When you decided to tour, kind of what went into that decision? What preparations did you make? What was that first year on tour like? Well, I kind of half toured for a couple of years prior to full tour. Sure. So as a teacher, I had a few months off in the summertime. And I also had a salary right. that was prorated for 12 months when I was only working for, you know, 10 right. or so. Um, so I was able to compete in a lot, travel around and compete in a bunch of big tournaments without, you know, the financial burden of having to play well to earn, to earn my, <laughs> my way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really uh, an important part of me being able to turn pro full-time was right. I got a lot of experience touring mm-hmm. without having to rely on it financially at the beginning. Yeah. And then once I realized, once I started um, to compete and, and earn actual cash at events, then I decided that it was time to commit fully to it. And so I sold my house, and sold all my stuff <laughs> and put rest, the rest of the stuff I had in storage right. and hit the road with about 500 bucks in my pocket. Yeah. I slept in a Walmart parking lot my first night. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Obviously things have changed quite a bit over the years or at least a bit. Uh, but what advice would you give to a woman right now who's considering going pro or is pro and wants to start working towards uh, touring full time? We'll definitely have to kind of commit to, you know, a practice routine. Yeah. And, you know, commit to you're keeping your body healthy. And you kind of have to double dip and pretend that you're a t- complete professional athlete even before you're actually making it. Mm-hmm. Do all the things that you know an athlete would do, you know, eat right, practice a lot, um, you know, garner, uh, bolster up your social media, yeah. stuff like that. Um, and then anytime you can kind of... Uh, develop a talent outside of your play Mm -hmm. that can help you financially, Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be a huge advantage. So one of the things I try to do is, you know, run clinics and, um, you know, sell a few discs on the side to kind of take the pressure off me needing to perform well on the weekend. Knowing that, you know, I've made a portion of my budget for the week during the week doing other things that give back to the community. So anything you can do, like for instance, we see, um, you know, Tina um, Oakley out there um, doing her whale sacks business, which has, you know, has been a great thing. And I'm really proud of her for, you know, she came, she hit the road as, you know, a mid eight fifties pro. And um, not only has she improved as a player, but then she's been able to manage her life on the road through her business as well. Right. So I would say that that's 
if you can find something like that mm-hmm. uh, or create something like that, you know, it, uh, it takes, it takes a lot of creativity to uh, figure out how to make it work on the road financially. So specifically for women. also minimize yeah, sorry, your ahead. bills. I'm sorry. No, also minimize your bills. <laughs> right. Like you can't expect to be making, you know, when I was on the road, I was in a, a an older used car. I didn't have a car payment. Mm-hmm. You know, my cell phone bill and my car insurance were my basic, only my, my only bills. Yeah. You know, so if you know, you have a, a bunch of debt or you have a home at home that you're trying to pay a mortgage on, or you have a huge car payment, those are things you're going to want to figure out how to, how to minimize uh, before you hit the road. So being that you've, been playing for a while and you've been in the pro scene and just in women's disc golf for quite some time. What have you seen grown and changed for women in disc golf over the years? Oh man, that's so many things. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Literally everything. You know, I mean, from the number of players, you know, you used to, used to not have to worry about a tournament selling out in the women's side ever. And it was more about, tra- I mean, I, at the beginning, I was just trying to find a, people to play against, right. you know, so I would travel six hours in any direction to have a field of, you know, we'd be, we'd be happy if we had a card of ladies to play right. with. Yeah. Um, and so now like the numbers have just skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Now I know that the percentage of women in the sport has not necessarily increased, right. you know, we've been kind of been 7%, um, but because the sport itself is growing so much. Um, you know, there's still a huge growth in the number of just total women playing. And that's been fabulous. And I'm hoping, you know, the women's committee is working really hard to Mm -hmm. make the environment suitable for more women to play and enjoy and have a good experience doing so. Um, so the numbers for sure. And then the media coverage, at least in the last couple of years has skyrocketed, right? I remember kind of looking at um, looking looking back for old videos um, of the early days when I was playing, and man, you couldn't find you could find one or two a year, mm-hmm. if that, right. where you could find com- coverage of any woman, you know. And now, you know, there's hundreds of videos out there of women playing, and that is a huge testament to this community's commitment to making the sport great for women. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm really proud of everybody involved in the media teams that, you know, make it a point to, to cover the women. And also it was very, also really interesting um, in the symposium that I, I did a speech in a couple years ago. One of the things that I had kind of gotten from my research was that too often people use the excuse that people don't want to watch women Mm -hmm. because the numbers show that in media. But in reality, what um, what I was advocating for was that, you know, we haven't had that that coverage. And so people just don't know us. And once mm-hmm. we have a chance to show the world what women can do, that fan base will grow exponentially. Yeah. And at the last uh, PDGA summit in the fall, Steve Dodge proved that with the numbers. Mm-hmm. And indeed, we do see that if you build it, they will come. Right. And using that uh, the numbers as an excuse for why one maybe would choose not to cover the women mm-hmm. is really just no longer valid. Yeah. I mean, the numbers still are less, but we are seeing such rapid growth mm-hmm. that if we look at, you know, what the future could hold for those types of numbers, it's going to be, it's much, much bigger and it's growing really, really fast. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And and with that, what are your hopes for women's disc golf in the future? What would you like to see maybe even in the next five years? Um, I'd like to see, you know, just really the continued movement of what we're seeing now. Yeah. You know, and continue to increase in numbers, increase in the prestige of um, the majors that women participate in. I'd really like to see AM Nationals add a women's division. I'd really like to see USDGC at a women's division. Yeah. I'd really like to see US women's increase their media and also and 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 resources yeah. to make it as prestigious as the USDDC is. Yeah. I'm working actually on a proposal with the women's committee to um for the PD, for the PDGA to help support that cause. Awesome. Um and in general, I would also really love to see um, more regional regional tours yeah. for women who you know who can't go out on tour per se, but want to have a really competitive situation to mm-hmm. compete with other women. And you know maybe that could grow into a national tour for yeah. women. Yeah, I'm all about it. That all sounds great. <laughs> I'm in. So <laughs> let's talk about your goals for this next season. I know you posted on uh, Facebook that you are planning some mini events. So can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so um, so basically, I'd like to provide opportunities for the community to become familiar with MVP Axiom Streamline Discs. Yeah. And so the idea is that in between stops, um, probably on Mondays or Tuesdays, in addition to me possibly taking a few weeks off from playing yeah. to run events on the weekends, but um, I'd like to go and... Um, partner with different clubs and different distributors to do this uh, it's concept that we're calling it the MVP pitch and switch nice and the whole thing will be about providing a fun opportunity for people to throw MVP discs so we'll have you know the players pack will consist of a couple of discs and swag and the tournament style will be you're playing with those discs it'll be on a relatively beginner friendly course and there'll be, you know, some fun prizes for the winners. But in addition to that, in addition to simply the competition and, you know, the socialization with friends, we're also going to have several stations of skill development nice. and um, MVP test testing so that you can get familiar with all the different discs, be familiar with your own form. I'll also be giving sidearm clinics and putting clinics at um, all the stops. And be available to, you know, answer any kind of pro mm-hmm. tips that, you know, pro pro questions that people have about just the game in general. And uh, really give people the opportunity for a fun environment to play and then also for some skill development mm-hmm. if, they are, if they are looking for that. Which I did a survey recently on Facebook and uh, the top thing that people really wanted out of an event like this was socialization hmm. um, and fun. But the second thing was skill development. Yeah. So we'll be working. And then the third concept was a good value for the players pack. Mm -hmm. So we'll be using that information to develop the mini events and hopefully bring them to, you know, I'm hoping to run 25 different ones throughout the year, which is a lofty goal, but I think I can do it. (laughs) Well, I'm definitely all about that. So I really hope you come to Kansas City with it. (laughs) Yeah, I would like to get there. That's a great mecca. It is. Great courses out there. Yeah. And and to your point, we did a listener survey for the podcast at the end of last season. And it was really interesting because 
one of the most asked for um, segments and also asked for video content was instructional. And I know I'm certainly hungry for that. And I think a lot of people are as well, especially as the sport's growing, especially as so many new people are coming to the sport, they, they want to know how to get better. So I'm really excited to hear about that instructional component of your events too. And also to your, um, to your point on that, um, the women's committee is working very hard to try to put together women's specific instructional videos. So we really hope to be able to get some of that out to y'all um, this next year and beyond. Really great. Awesome. All right, Women's Committee, you're on the hook now. I told everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And I know me and, and lots of other people want to help and support that as much as we can and spread that because it's, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, also next season, are there any specific tournaments you're looking forward to? Anything that you definitely know is 100% for sure that you want to play? Well, the plan for now is to um, definitely hit all the national tours and all the pro tour events and then filling in with a few of my favorite A tiers, which I'm trying to get to the Zootown Open this year. I haven't been to that one in a minute and I really love Montana. Um, And then also hitting some women's events. Um, I'm hoping to get to La Nina. Um, I would love to get to Texas Women's again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's several out there that I'm going to try to hit. I also may be at Bowling Green Am, Am Championships doing some promotions. So, right yeah, yeah. Um, so look forward to seeing everybody there. To bring it back, you know, full circle, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't know that I've been there since that time. So Awesome. Really uh, cool. It'll be fun. So another thing that our listeners asked for, and this might be a little bit tricky for you, uh, being that you're with a brand new brand, but could you recommend a couple discs that you've thrown so far that you think would work really well for new or newish female players? You know, I really think that this fission plastic is probably a really good thing for a lower speed arm to check out. Yeah. Um, Also just finding understable discs in general. So um, for, you know, for a putter, I think the spin is the least stable. And then for a mid, the theory, great disc. And then uh, fairways, the signal or the relay, which MVP makes in, you know, 150s and 160s plastic. And I think for, you know, for someone who's still trying to develop their power and form, those are going to be some some good discs. I'd stay away from, you know, the really the really uh, uh, high speed discs, yeah. you know, just, you know, just in general, Definitely. getting your uh, mids, putters and fairways dialed in is going to help your form in the long run. Thanks again for talking with me. Any shout outs, anything else that you'd like to let our listeners know about? Um, well, you know, I kind of want to shout out to, you know, well, MVP, of course, um, I'm really excited to work with them and we have a lot of great things planned. Um, but then also Paragon Disc Golf, Miles uh, over there has been um, a supporter of me since the very beginning. And he's really just great to work with. He's a really good dude and he'll do whatever he can to help you. Um, especially when it comes to women's leagues. Mm. He also doesn't, he does a, he has no minimum on the number you can order for like tags and things like that. Um, he also has art in house. So, you know, you, it may, if, you know, if you're trying to put everything together and trying to figure out how to provide your league with some cool stuff, you know, he has, he can help you get your art together. He can help you, you know, get the best price he can on, you know, t-shirts or tags. And again, no minimum on the tags. So, you know, he's trying to do whatever he can to help support women, and he's just a really good dude. So, you know, hit him up if you need anything for your league or for any of your tournaments. Um, and then, 
this winter, I've really had the opportunity. I mean, I've been working with Disc Golf Strong for several yeah. years. Um, but this winter, he developed a new app where he can train you from your home. Like, okay. he doesn't actually have to be, you know, you don't have to be in Monterey, California right. to have training specific for disc golf. So, um, he has a bunch of, he has a couple great Facebook groups. And um, uh, he's really been able to help me, you know, increase my flexibility, my mobility, and my strength. And that's been a huge factor in, you know, in, in me developing different different shots. Um, oftentimes we think it's simply our form that may be off. It's creating some problems in our game. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that's related to, you know, the, the limits that, of your body at the moment. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's not that you're doing it wrong. It's that your body doesn't let you do it right. And so he's there to kind of analyze some of your, your joints and make sure that, you know, you, you have the flexibility in your hips to get them all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you have the strength in your shoulders and that you're using quite the right muscles to to um, produce your shots. So I'd recommend for anybody, especially those who are really into their form, definitely start thinking about what your body is able to do and maybe training your body in a, in a way that can increase your ability to have good form. Yeah. Um, so Disc Golf Strong is definitely a big supporter. Um, and then, you know, a couple other people out there who've really helped me along the way, um, Rick Aroons, um, mm-hmm. Rick LeBeau, he's got, he makes these great little coconut energy bars. Um, and he's a disc golfer. He just got into Costco a couple places. So excited to see, see that happen. Yeah. Um, as well as Zuka, they're a great uh, supporter of women mm-hmm. and give me that nice little cart to, to, uh, <laughs> cart around. So it saves my back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's so many people that I have to thank, honestly, um, to have helped get, get to where I am. And I very much appreciate them all. Awesome. Well, wonderful. Very excited to see you out on tour this upcoming season. And hopefully we'll see you here in Kansas City at some point. Yes, that would be great. Thanks for having me, Becca. Thank you for listening to the Ladies of the Chains podcast. We'll hopefully have a couple more episodes for you here in the off season. And then starting in March, we will be going weekly. I'll be back with my wonderful co-hosts. Also, I am looking for topic ideas. I'm always looking for your feedback. One of my goals this season is to find a better way for all of us in the women's disc golf community to communicate. So please, please feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. You can also email me at ladiesofthechains at gmail.com. Keep an eye on our Facebook and Instagram. I'm planning a lot of fun giveaways to get this season started. And yeah, it should be a really, really good one. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, we we do have a Patreon that you can find on our website, ladiesofthechains.com. Have a great weekend and we'll catch you here next time on the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast.